You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to untitle this, Why American Evangelicals Are a Huge Base of Support for Israel. And we got this title from a PRI, that's Public Radio International, I think, the public broadcasting system, an article by a Christopher Connolly, and it was actually written uh, in October of 2016, but it really exposes this deep-held belief by so many American evangelical Christians about Israel, this undying support for Israel. Chuck? Well, thank you, Tom. Mr. Conley's article is excellent because he raises the classic questions about why it is that evangelicals want to support the state of Israel, even in the face of the recent news that has shown this incredible brutality in Gaza. And, of course, we visited Gaza ourselves, and, uh, ladies and gentlemen, on our website you'll find a video that we made that became quite popular in some foreign countries, and it's called Christian Zionism, the tragedy and the turning. And in that video, toward the end of the 29 minutes, there is an air raid conducted in 2002 where the state of Israel simply came into Gaza with Apache helicopters and and American-made missiles called Hellfire missiles, and they really are Hellfire missiles. It's well-named. And they blasted 42 of them into buildings in Gaza City that were guarded by civilians and uh, naturally the next morning they had four dead civilians and 40 wounded people who happened to be in the neighborhood. So this has been going on for a very long time but the latest things that we've been witnessing going on in the same Gaza Strip result in the killing of somewhere between 100 and 200 men, women, and children, and we have no idea how many more died because snipers actually wounded some 2,000 people in the course of several weeks. Now, everybody has had a chance to read about this, and we suspect that people in churches like the one that that David and Patty and others just did a vigil at would probably not read those accounts. They'd probably avoid reading them and try to hide from them. But uh, why do we care Uh, if evangelicals uh, are very, very fond of the state of Israel. And the the reason we care as believers, as we are believers, is that they are killing people. And we do believe what Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. And so we are trying to show the churches what is wrong with their programs that are resulting in supporting factions in governments around the world that do kill people. And so in this article, Mr. Conley writes, the election in November, however it turns out, there's one certain thing that will be certain. 
Support for Israel will remain strong both in Congress and the White House. The reason for that has a lot to do with the strength of the pro-Israel religious community with a strong grassroots political organization fundraising arm. It just may not be a religious community that first comes to mind. Neo-Christian pastors often disagree. The author quotes perhaps the most Bible-bending pastor Supporting Israel is not a political issue, it is a biblical issue, says Pastor John Hagee, the founder of Christians United for Israel. He said this in a speech last year, and he's quoted in this article. So the question that we ask ourselves, and we'd like to get response from some of you if you have a, a comment on it, John Hagee says, supporting Israel is not a political issue, it's a Bible issue. Craig, can you tell us why Hagee would say that? It's pretty easy for me to jump into that, Chuck, because I was one of them. And so a lot of these things, you know, why evangelicals support the nation of Israel, I just have to go back about five to ten years and look at myself, and I can tell you why I believed in it back then. One interesting point that came out of the article that you're quoting, he talked about it's a much higher percentage of Christians that support Israel than the percentage of Jews, American Jews, that support Israel. And I thought that was really interesting. It's kind of strange because there's nothing in the New Testament that supports an Israeli state. The early church fathers had nothing to say about Israel being reconstituted, and Jesus didn't teach it. So if we are Christians are supposed to be following Christ, why do we support it? I mean, it's just kind of like an oxymoron. First thing that came to mind is blind trust. And it kind of goes along with the line, why would my pastor lie to me if this wasn't true? And so the parishioner believes the pastor because the pastor wouldn't lie to me. The pastor, he's teaching because that's what his teachers told him. He went to seminary, and of course they wouldn't lie to him. And then the the professors at the college, obviously they learned it from someplace from their teachers, and their teachers wouldn't lie to them. And so you have to keep pulling the thread on this thing. Where does it go back And every time we talk about this, it always comes back to the Schofield Reference Bible and just the whole Christian Zionist movement, you know, actually predates the uh, Jewish Zionist movement. So the first thing that comes to me is blind trust. And then a couple other things, following the herd. It's easier to just go along with you that agree the same way. And because if you you stand out, you know, you're that nail that stands out and you're going to get hit, whether it's through peer pressure or whether it's any kind of other criticism, you have to face that. But as far as the pastors go, they've got so much to lose. And what was so good when Chuck Baldwin spoke a few weeks ago, because he made the hard choice and he was willing to take the loss, the loss in prestige, the loss in finances, the loss in friends. He was willing to do that because he wanted to stand for the truth. And I admire him so much for taking that stand because so many pastors won't do that. They're really trusting more in their paycheck than in God. And when people speak out against Zionism, speak out against the power of the Israeli lobby, bad things happen to them. The classic book on that is They Dare to Speak Out by the former congressman Paul Finley. Because when, as a, as a politician, if you go against Israel, you've got the, the complete force of APAC, the Southern Poverty Law Center, ADL, all that comes against you and your political career is going to be pretty short. And so for a politician, for them to say, well, if I don't get elected, I can't do any good, 
So I better just you know kiss up to the whole Zionist agenda because if I get in, then I can do some good. But if I don't kiss up to them, I, I won't even get into office, and I can't do any good. So those are the couple things I've got. A, I've got a whole list more, but uh, I'll let someone else jump in. Now, Christopher Conley goes on to give a lot of detail in this excellent story, and we hope every listener will read his entire story. Mr. Conley says, for some, the power of organizations like Christians United for Israel to influence U.S. foreign policy is outsized, he says. But that influence wouldn't exist without a receptive audience. Then he goes on, the evangelical Christians make up the biggest pro Israel block in the U.S. Support for Israel is stronger among American evangelicals than it is even among American Jews. According to a poll conducted by Pew Research Center, 82% of white evangelicals think God gave Israel to the Jewish people. Less than half as many Jewish Americans or Catholic Americans agree. Now we're going to have to take a minute and come up with a a definition of what evangelicals are in this context so that our listeners will be able to follow us. But according to a Bloomberg poll, almost 60% of evangelicals say the U.S. should support Israel. And get this, ladies and gentlemen, even if its interests diverge with American interests. So 60% of our people in the churches like the one that we have done vigils at actually say, even if what Israel does and says our policies are contrary to our own, we should still support them as a political state. So we need to go back and look at a little bit about why this has happened in churches. Craig, would you start it off? Well, there's so many reasons why the parishioners don't pursue this. Like I said before, obviously they're leaving their pastors and there really is a lack of personal responsibility to learn. They just take things at face value. And, and frankly, life has become so hectic with the, probably both spouses have to work and you've got to do this. And life just gets so busy unless you have some epiphany of some sort that wakes you up and saying, whoa, wait a second, this isn't right. The average parishioner isn't going to do anything. For all of us, there's, there's been some wake-up call. You know, For me, it was moving into a neighborhood uh, with Christian Palestinians. I didn't even know they existed to begin with. And then they mm-hmm. found out that they do exist. And here I live in a country going to a church that supports this nation over there in the Middle East that is persecuting and victimizing my brothers and sisters in Christ. What do I do with this? You know, their cognitive dissonance. This does not fit together. How does this play out? And that made me start the journey to learn about Zionism, specifically Christian Zionism, and led me to we hold these truths. So a lot of it is just the American lifestyle. We're so bogged down with life, people don't really get out and they're happy just to turn on the news and whatever the news is fed to them, they believe that that's true. Whether it's CNN or Fox, or it doesn't matter. They're believing whatever propaganda that comes to them. And the big thing to me is the insidiousness of deception, is that you don't know that you're deceived. And if to find out you are deceived, you have to compare your own beliefs and values to an external standard that can be held up and say, no, this is truth. How do my beliefs compare to that truth? And that takes a lot of 
intestinal fortitude to be able to say, you know, I may be wrong. What I've been believing for all this time, it may be wrong. Again, going back to Chuck Baldwin, he was able to do that. But then I want to get back to the, the whole thing in the church is the spiritual side of this whole thing. Scripture talks about being blinded by the God of this world, not recognizing that we are in a cosmic battle of good and evil. And the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 3.10, he says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The church basically has missed its calling, just like the Hebrews missed their calling to reveal God to the world. That's what the Israelites, they were supposed to be God's witness to the world. They looked inside, they internalized it, and they missed their mission. The church is doing the same thing. They're not bringing the message of peace, reconciliation to the world, trying to build their own little kingdoms. And we see that with all these mega churches and so forth. So there's definitely a spiritual battle going on and then the apathy and the indifference of the parishioners. And hopefully, like when Dave, Patty, Kitty were out there with our signs, it kind of challenges them. It causes people to think it rattles the status quo because, you know, why are Christians protesting Christians? That doesn't fit with my paradigm. Craig, thank you. And the previous testimony that we had at an earlier meeting, which we'll refer you back to, we'll link it into this because it's so interesting, was where several of our members were out doing a vigil at a church with very scriptural signs challenging the church for their position on these on these very issues. And they were met with hostility that was bordered on violence to where one of the husbands was actually concerned that the members of the church were going to assault the women, and they were, they were actually threatening. This indicates that the church knows they are making a mistake, and what they have trouble with is the biblical aspects of this. Now, Mr. Connolly writes, there are biblical and more future-oriented reasons that some evangelicals support Israel, specifically the prophecy that Israel has a major role to play in the end times. This idea was popularized in the Left Behind series, which sold 10 million copies and was adopted into a film series, and he names the film. And so what he's saying here is that the definition of what we have come to call Christian Zionism, or which Tom refers to as Neo-Christianity, very properly because it's brand new. It's not an old religion. It's not a basic fundamental thing. It's a new idea that's popped up in the last hundred years. And in that, the definition we've come to use is that Christian Zionism is the notion that this political state called Israel is the fulfillment of God's word in the Bible. Back in the Old Testament written or carried on orally for, for hundreds of years. So this has been part of the reason that there is hostility. And the interesting thing is that this idea of evangelical churches, we think of those as only those that follow this definition of Christian Zionism, that the current state of Israel is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. But actually this idea has moved into mainline churches. There are probably even Catholic churches where people in the pews are following these ideas. And those ideas have been promoted 
by national Bible study groups that are clearly influenced to take these positions. And there are two of them that we actually name in our story called Bible Study Fellowship and Precept Ministries that very commonly use films like the one that was mentioned here by Christopher Conley, the Left Behind series, and also the Schofield Reference Bible, which was actually designed by Zionists to sell people on the notion of Zionism. So there is a very powerful sales effort going on even within churches, and this reaches out into churches that would not be called evangelical. It might, it no doubt, even reaches out into Catholics and mainline Protestant churches. I attend one, and I can tell you that the teaching of these ideas in Bible studies that are conducted at night at people's homes or sometimes in the chapel itself, openly use this Schofield Reference Bible to teach this notion that the state of Israel is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy, and therefore whatever we do, we must not interfere with in any way the actions of the state of Israel, for we're being politicalized with the pretense that it is Christianity. And the political effort, of course, has a very powerful secular support because of the state of Israel's importance in the world scene. Uh, do others have comments? We this do. Is Patty. I have mm-hmm. a very strong comment to make. At the vigil that we just did at a Southern Baptist church, mega church here in Fresno, two cars actually pulled off of the road to speak with me, and I was carrying a sign that said, Little Red Riding Hood had more discernment than Christians. And one woman's comment was, I love protesters. I'm really glad you're out here. Thumbs up. And we gave her a card. She said, I'm going to check it out and was very positive. The other that pulled over was an elderly couple, and the husband said, you're right. He said, something's got to be done. This has been going on for too long. But his wife made an interesting comment. She said, well, God is going to take care of Israel. And I said to her, yes, ma'am, thank you for that comment. You've brought up a very good point. If, in fact, the Jews believe that, then why do they need our $3 billion a year that APAC has got this stranglehold over our American Congress to donate to the state of Israel, a country that is the size of the state of New Jersey, what do they need our money for if they're trusting God to save them? And I love asking open-ended questions like that and then watching people choke. And the only scripture she had was, and anyone who's been doing this, we all know they only have one scripture about the blessings, and if you don't bless Israel, they will will be cursed. And so my standard pat question to that is, how do we bless Israel? By giving them three quarters of of our foreign aid budget a year. Is that how we bless Israel? Quoting from Genesis 12, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's the, uh, the key scripture that Christian Zionists like to hang on to. And the interesting about that, when you ask him, who was that blessing to? Was it to the Jewish people? Because there weren't even any Jews back then. Well, no, it was to Abraham. Was it to Abraham's whole seed? Well, no, it was, the blessing was to Abraham. And 
in you will all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And as we get into Galatians, we talk about the fulfillment of that promise. The promise of the blessing to the world is through Jesus. It isn't through Israelis or Israelites or Jewish people, wherever you choose to call them. So the blessing is fulfilled in Jesus. Genesis 12.3, that's the verse they hang their hat on. Verse 12.2 goes, Now the Lord has said unto Abraham, Get you out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into the land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be blessed. And I will bless those who bless you and curse those that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now the interpretation of that in the Schofield Reference Bible is a footnote. And it says, God made an unconditional promise of blessing through Abraham's seed to the nation of Israel to inherit a specific territory forever. Now, the present-day state of Israel has simply borrowed the name. They were, of course, immigrants from all over Europe who were shipped there on ships after World War II, and they uh, purposely borrowed the name of Israel so that they could pretend that they were God's chosen people and that they were blessed when they went in and took this land by brutal force after World War II. So this is how the dispensational Bible, this is called dispensationalism, these footnotes are the way that the Schofield Reference Bible and other power groups that have used the Bible as a weapon for political purposes have gone about justifying their slaughter of the Palestinian people Well, Chuck, thank you for that. And of course, as followers of Christ, we look to the New Testament. And when we look at the Old Testament, we filter it through the lens of the New Testament. And a a classic example that really sets the Genesis 12 issue kind of to rest is by Paul in the book of Galatians. And he says in verse 16, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ? And then, you know, he goes further down in the chapter here. It says, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And so that kind of explains how so-called Christian Zionists use the Old Testament. So they're looking at the Old Testament, filtering uh, towards the New Testament instead of the other way around. And this is a very hard thing for people to come out of, as Craig mentioned with example of Pastor Chuck Baldwin. In his podcast with us, he was influenced by this notion for 30 years. He had been taught this in theological seminary, and so it was really ingrained in him, and it only took a lot of courage and reflection to be able to come out of it. So it's a very difficult process for those that have been embedded in it, but people do come out of it. And I think we're seeing a turning as in the film that Chuck mentioned, Christian Zionism, the tragedy and turning, we see a very gradual turning. It's not in great numbers, 
But all these kinds of actions do help for waking people up, even if it seems way too slow. Tom, I think you're, you're on to something there because you have to look, in a sense, where your enemy is concentrating their firepower. And right now, KUFI and these organizations are going after the millennials because they've pretty much got the, the old guard, but they've got to go for this younger generation because the younger generation are not buying the lies and all the stuff that were fed to my generation. They say, you know, why should I believe that? Who are you to tell me that? Show me where. It's causing all kinds of problems in the millennials. And so the you know, Kufi, and there's even a Jewish version of Kufi that are trying to get the message out. Chuck, I'd like to quote one thing that you said in your article towards the end. You said, when Zionized believers recognize that they are supporting a kill or maim on purpose system, they must either cease to follow dispensational Zionism or cease to follow Jesus, one or the other, as one cannot do both. And that's kind of what, like from my epiphany, it's like, how can I support actions that are support for Israel that is in violation of who Jesus is, what his message is? So this is a quote from John Hagee a couple of years back. It's 180 degrees off of what you said, Chuck. And I'll see if I can do my John Hagee impersonation here. And it goes something like this. For almost 25, almost 26 years now, I have been pounding the evangelical community over television. The Bible is a very pro-Israel book. If a Christian admits, I believe the Bible, I can make him a pro-Israel supporter or he will have to denounce their faith. So I have the Christians over a barrel, you might say. He is taking the Bible, using that as a hammer against Bible-believing Christians, and the Christians are just absorbed that, and they don't question the scriptures. You know, like you said, Tom and Chuck, and brought the scriptures out. What do those scriptures actually say? Are they saying what Hagee and company are really saying, or does it say something totally different? Thanks for that, Craig. I would like to challenge anyone that's listening, if you'd like to do your own research, we'll have a link to this, but we prepared a, a little flyer. It's entitled, Does the Bible Require Followers of Jesus to Support the Jewish State of Israel? And it has the byline, Be a Berean, and we reference Acts 17, verse 11. Do your own research. That's what that means. It contains some of the beliefs of Christian Zionists, what does the Bible say, and other Bible references in it. So we would encourage anybody that is on a journey to seek the truth to investigate. Dave Jacobs, would you close us with a blessing? As you guys are talking, I was sitting here thinking, the question is, do you love Jesus? Because Jesus is the word. Do you love him? And can you look at his word and see him and ask yourself, what is your will and what are you trying to teach me? And I think there's all of the kufi, the name it and claim it, give money and God will bless me. And all of this stuff that's been done with God's word, all wrong, every bit of it. Just to simply ask yourself, do I love Christ? Because he is the word. This book is... It's him showing me the Father. And do I love him? Do I trust him? Can I read it and be humbled and accept his will for my life? 
Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.